The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha. So you, ha- you first have to like strip away that ego so that you can listen and be a good listener. And to be a good listener, like that's actively listening and trying to understand from that person's perspective what like clearly I have lived an extraordinary life that is dissimilar to most people. So the lens that I have, the glasses that I look at this world through is different than most people. When I get to be with somebody that, thank God, hasn't had to see the things that I've seen, man, I just like, tell me more. One, two, three, one, two, three, back at it again. That clip is from our guest of the show today, American patriot, hero, professional fighter, Tim Kennedy. This is an exciting one for us. Uh, We actually flew all the way to Texas just to do this in person. And Tim Kennedy definitely delivers. For those of you that are new to the show, my name is Michael Bostick. I am an entrepreneur and brand builder, most recently the CEO of the Dear Media Podcast Network. And to my left, actually to my right, sorry, I'm getting a little confused. It's been a long day. My wife, Lauren, here we are again in the studio. Hello. Taylor is eating something that What the hell are you eating back there, man? Perturbing. Is that a word? It His mic's there. not on. It smells like it smells terrible. What it's, is going on? What are you eating? It's like Zucchini chicken and potatoes. You're bringing zucchini Express. chicken and potatoes into the studio when I have to concentrate and record and get a good intro done. Yeah, I don't know what we're the fuck hungry, you're Taylor, and you're eating some weird chicken. <laughs> Anyways, Taylor is just like bombarding us with the smell. The studio smells like a disgusting bomb of trash food came off in this network. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, hopefully that doesn't offend people. I mean, it just it doesn't smell good. So we're gonna get through this intro real quick. Guys, this is an exciting episode. You know, we like to have all walks of life on this show. Just when you think we're going one way, we're going another. And this one definitely does that. Tim Kennedy, for those of you that do not know who he is, like I said earlier, he is an American patriot, a hero per se. He keeps a lot of our freedoms. Him and a lot of his friends keep our, our freedoms what they are to keep us safe. Um, so who is he? He is a retired American mixed martial artist and current soldier. He enlisted into special forces right after 9-11, then went into the Army Reserves and actually re enlisted recently in his active duty again. He has seen some wild shit in his life, has a lot of crazy experiences, a lot of crazy stories, a lot of very, very impactful perspectives that I think is beneficial for every American to hear, every person to hear. And so we're excited to have him on the show today. Isn't he a Green Beret? He is a Green Beret, Lawrence Special Forces. He Listen, this guy, I've never felt safer in a studio. I mean, he's in there. <laughs> It's got to, you know, if I was not, anyone could come in. This guy will literally rip your head off with his bare hands. Yeah. As a woman too, this, this interview was so interesting because it's so raw and real. Listen, there are people I was talking about, I was trying to describe Tim Kennedy. There are people that are professional fighters, badass dudes, badass women, people that are like, you know, per se scary individuals. And then there's the Tim Kennedys of the world that are a different level, a different thing. A you different told beast. me he is the guy. He, he is, is the, the guy. guy. He's, He's the guy. Like, you know, like when you think like, I was, I think about Tim Keddy and I'm like, you know, like you, you worry about like, okay, what do you got to defend yourself against if someone breaks into your house? Like the people that are breaking in the house should be worried about the Tim Kennedys of the world. Like when you get to the level of a Tim Kennedy not to like, you know, get on this guy's dick too much. But if you get into the level of a Tim Kennedy, like he is 
at that level where there's like, you know, there's scary people and then there's killers and, you know, and there's some real scary people and he falls in that cage, but he's also the, one of the nicest, most humblest, most American, most patriotic dudes ever. He's a dad. He's a husband. He's just a good dude. He's a good fucking dude. And a lot of us in this country owe a lot of gratitude to people like him and the friends he serves with. So with that, Tim Kennedy, thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank you for your service and welcome to the show. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. A lot of living in my life. Yeah. And then I met my wife and I was like, like, your capacity for love grew, right? And I was like, oh man, I could love something more than I thought I was capable of loving. But that was the limit. Like, there's no way I could love something. I love war. I love my, you know, being a Green Beret and a sniper and a ranger and love fighting. And I love my wife. Like, I've never loved anything ever. And then I see my first daughter, you know, you're like, oh my God. My heart has like met capacity. I can't grow anymore. Yeah. Right. And then like, there's no possible way that I could love something more than I love this thing. But I thought I'd already reached my full tank of love ability. But then like, there's different pockets and fucking boys and daughters just make your goddamn heart explode. This is you. Okay. That's me. I brought that for you. Well, maybe you can give it to your daughters. Yeah, Tim, I don't know if that's the book for you, but I don't know if that's the book. But maybe you never know. I don't think Is this like the skinny confidential is similar to the scarred faced, hairy handed troll? Whatever. You know what? It's tips and tricks for anyone. It doesn't matter who you in this day and age, like I'm just gonna say it's for everybody. Yeah. If you are happier doing these things. And uh, who knows? I could take some of this hair and and some of this troll like ogreish posture that I have and just roll it right into a, a better, you guys could life. do like a co-brand, like the mm-hmm. troll hand and the perfect yeah. co-brand yeah. right here. So three daughters, one son. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what's the order of that? Was it three daughters at first and then a son? Yep, I have two. No, I have two big girls, teenagers. Okay, and then I have a five-year-old son. Okay, who actually he'd get really mad if I was not specific. He's five and four fifths. Okay, okay, Good. and then I have a one-year-old daughter. Okay, she she rules the rest. And where'd you and your wife meet? Fort Bragg, North Carolina. How'd you meet her? What's the story? Pretty gross. I love gross. Okay. So I was going to, I just finished special forces selection. I was in the Q course. The Q course is the two years. Once you've been selected to become a green beret, it takes about two to three years to earn your green beret. You go to all these different schools. And while I was going to those schools, I was also moonlighting as a bouncer at a bar called the Ugly Tree. And it was like one of those Coyote Ugly bars, you know, where the girls like dance on the bars, but it was called Coyote Ugly because we always joke that all of the bartenders hit every branch in the Ugly Tree on the way down. <laughs> we're in North Carolina at a military base. So these were not like the cream of the crop. This would be like the third string at the strip club by the airport just to give you the quality. Michael knows it well. Okay, Trust exactly. Me. That one, yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, you know, and, and you know that crew. It's not like the peak hours. Oh boy, it's do like, I ever. <laughs> yeah, it's like the 4 a.m. crew. So I'm working at this bar and this just stunning, beautiful girl walks by me and that's not common in a military post. So I go to talk to her and uh, I walk up and I, I start talking to her and she slowly turns around as if I wasn't there. But, but I was still talking, you know, it's like a pleasure to meet you. You know, like I already had a little notoriety as like top 10 in the world as a fighter. I'm about to be what I thought was about to be a green beret. So I thought I was really cool. Cause you were in active duty and professionally fighting same time. Yeah. Yeah. And she just turned as if I wasn't there and then slowly started walking away. And I'm like, do, do I continue? Like, is she deaf? <laughs> you know, did she not? And she, but she didn't care. So she walks away. So I, I give it another whirl another time and similar results. And um, then I watch 
a guy come up and talk to her and she does like this weird head cock thing and she pours her drink on his head and then walks away. Then she's walking up this ramp to go to where the live music is. And this guy grabs her leg and she balances on a stiletto and stabs him in the arm. And at that moment, I knew that there was no other woman on the planet, but that woman for me. So then the game of cat and mouse began. It took a lot of manipulating, borderline stalking. So I had to befriend one of her friends. And then I had to talk all of her friends growing up in Monterey, California to coming over for a wine pairing at my house. So we're going to do like some fondue, pair all of the, yeah, high class for a military You were like rolling it out. Yeah. And um, I told them different times. So I told my now wife to come at six and I told everybody else to come at seven. So thank God she didn't check with the rest of her friends what time they're showing up. So she showed up at like 6.20 and I texted everybody up. It's off. Don't worry about it. Night's canceled. And I took her out to dinner. And then we spent every single day together until I left for Iraq. That was how I tricked her into. What is that like when you're in Iraq and sh- and your wife that you're in love with is back in the United States? Do you, have you ever heard of, the, of Jody? So Jody is the worst human. He is a fake person, but he exists in every single military base and every single unit with most guys. And when Tim Kennedy goes to Iraq, Jody's the guy that tries to get with the girl that stays oh, back home. Christ. And there's lots of Jody's. Oh my God. I didn't know that had a name. I've heard yeah. stories like that a lot though. Yeah. Oh no, no. Jody's real. And and Jody is a pr- usually a pretty good looking guy and he knows all the right things. Oh man, I'm so sorry that your husband's overseas. I fully understand. If you need somebody to talk to, I, I'll, I'll happily you know, be there for you, you know, totally platonic. Oh, right. And right. then like two months or two weeks later, he's like, Hey, I'll come. You're having a rough night. I'll come by at 11 PM. You know, you want me to make dinner? You don't like Jody. You see those Jody's in the movies. No, but yes, there's so many Jody's in the movies. <laughs> yeah. Some, I guess the Chad is the version in the, in college. Yeah. But Chad in the military is a Jody. But you know, the Jody sound, I mean, listen, Jody's terrible, but like Jody's got to have some balls to go after, you know, active Tim duty. Kennedy's wife. Yeah. Like, ooh, I wouldn't, if I was a Jody. So I don't know how you, I don't know how, I don't know. Like Jody's also got to be kind of dumb, kind of crazy. Kind of like, it's kind of a, you know, like there's, there's a lot of different women out there. I don't know if that's the one I pursue. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of them at the military bases, like a criminal. When you look at a criminal, like I had a burglar try to break into my house and you'd think, why would a burglar try to break into? I was trying to tell my yeah, wife wait, this story. Can you explain this? Part? Nah, yeah. But th- the same thing, it's like, they're also just dumb. Yeah, yeah, why would someone try to break in your house? Because they're dumb. And they're desperate, just like Jody. Maybe they didn't check whose address I want to, I, I mean, I, listen, you're a, a super humble dude. And so, and I know you're going to be humble about this, but like, I also want to give some people some context to just about who you are. So it's a very high demographic of female listeners, which we're going to, we can talk about in a second and go into some different subjects. But like, if there was one house in America or two, like maybe two that I would not want to break into, it would be your fucking house. And I, I want to go back. You no, know, it's a very fair statement. And I want to go back a little bit and get a little bit of context on you, because I know we kind of just jumped into it. But and maybe we can fast forward. You know, we, where you, you grew up, but like when you decided to go into the military and kind of like your journey there. And we can condense it because I know you okay. want to through it. But like just to give a little context, everybody. Yeah, these are kind of these are like serious topics. Yeah, can we, we do. We get super we serious. serious. No, we go all over the place. This is a bag of check. <sighs> okay, so I was in college. And there was a serial killer in San Luis Obispo named Rex Krebs. And he was going and kidnapping girls and raping and murdering them. And I was working at bars in San Luis Obispo. And I remember being able to like palatably, you could taste, you could smell fear. 
like all the girls at one a at one a.m. Like, how am I going to get from where I am to where I'm sleeping tonight without dying? And they were scared to death. And at that time, this is pre 9-11, that was the worst form of fear. And that was the worst form of evil. I think people consciously recognized and, you know, from silence of the lambs, you know, the Jeffrey Dahmers and that's evil, a serial killer, nothing worse. Right. And so I wanted to go into the FBI. I was in grad school to do that. I'd already finished my undergrad and that was my trajectory. I was going to go work for the FBI. I wanted to track people like this because I wanted to find the worst forms of evil and put them in the dirt or put them in jail for forever. And then I'm working in California and I watched planes slam into the buildings. I, you know, everybody remembers what they were doing at that moment. And I watched live a bunch of Americans standing in those towers, sticking their head out to take a breath of fresh air and then look down and then look back into the building as they were struggling between the decision of jumping to their death or burning alive. And um, nobody knows exactly how many people made that choice. There's a famous photo called the falling man. And I remember watching that guy fall and the camera as it panned from the man jumping from the window all the way down to the concrete where he died um, when he plummeted through a building the camera came low and there was a bunch of firefighters and police officers that were helpless watching these Americans jump to their deaths. And that was the first time that it like hit me that there's so much more evil out there and how much more effective and efficient evil can be if it doesn't meet resistance. Those were untrained peasants that had a few hundred thousand dollars that brought America, the largest, most powerful country on the planet to its knees. And you know, not one guy scaring some college age girls, which is horrific. And if I ever find a serial killer, I can't wait to wear their skin as a birthday suit. But this was like different. And I walked into the recruiter's office on 9-11 and tried to enlist. At the time, I said, I want to be a Navy SEAL, Special Forces, Sniper, Green Beret. I didn't know that there was I'll a- I'll check all the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Give me all the boxes. I want to check them. And so that was the beginning. I was already a professional fighter. I was already ranked top 10 in the world. And I didn't care. I wanted to find the people that did that and I wanted to bury them. Took about a year and a half to get the right contract, which was an 18 x-ray, which is a special, it's a, you go in as an infantry soldier and at the end of infantry training, you go to airborne school and then you go to selection. About one in a hundred, two in a hundred get selected and the rest go to the needs of the army. The one or two, three or four that get selected, get to move on in training which is that Q course that lasts three to four years. While I was in the Q course and in special forces, I continued to fight for the UFC and strike force tours in Iraq, Afghanistan, Africa, South America, and every kind of horrific job you can imagine from counter human trafficking, sex trafficking, to counter poaching, to counter piracy, obviously fighting terrorism and uh, hostage rescue. Hey, Michael. Hey, Lauren. Did you know that women come way less than men do? Not with me, Lauren. <laughs> really, Michael? I don't know. I'm just kidding. But no, I, I, you know, I've, I've heard rumors. No, that was a joke. But you know, I have to answer it that way. Okay. Enter Playboy. So they have, and yes, the Playboy. They have this all new CBD infused sexual wellness line from Playboy. So CBD is the new glass of wine at the end of the day. People are going crazy about CBD. Playboy has this CBD bath bomb and a CBD arousal spray. So what we did the other day is we filled a bath up and then we put the CBD bath bomb, 
We had a little bath in there. The ingredients are natural. It smells light. The bath bomb is so amazing. And then you can get out and you can use a little arousal spray. And however you choose to use it is up to you. Dim the lights. Turn on your salt rock lamp. Get some Marvin Gaye going. I mean, Michael, you could have thrown in some rose petals, put some effort into it. Hint, hint. But at least we had the arousal spray and the bath bomb to get things going. So you can spray the arousal spray directly on your clit. This kind of has this warming sensation. And Taylor, don't pop a boner, but it gets the vibe just right. Playboy recommends to spritz it on after oil but before sex and do the bath bomb, I'm telling you, before sex to get you nice and relaxed, okay? The scent is light. It's all natural. It's not super heavy. It's perfect. The holidays are coming up. Your significant other wants a stocking stuffer. Put a little arousal spray in there. Throw in a bath bomb. They'll be very turned on. I'm telling you, you want to add this to your bedside treasure chest. Michael and I have a big, big old treasure chest. You got to keep it spicy. You know what I mean, Michael? When you're the big old chest. When you're married as long as us, you got to keep it. You got to keep it fun. And just for Skinny Confidential listeners, Playboy is offering a 15% discount on your purchase. Go to pleasureforall.com to check out the bath bomb and the arousal spray. At checkout, enter the code SKINNYPLEASURE for 15% off. You're going to have so many orgasms. I'm telling you. You were a little bit older than the average age then because you were because it wasn't necessarily your trajectory. Like, did you still have to go through the same length of training, or because there was an active war, do you just get do you kind of get fast tracked? You still got to wait. No, there's no fast track. Yeah, to go through you still have to wait. And even I thought I was going to be kind of this unique, extraordinary. I'm the beautiful bird in the room. When I got to the team, I was a dime a dozen. It was like, oh, you're also a professional athlete. And, oh, you're also a national champion. Oh, you're an Olympian. Oh, you guys all already speak multiple languages. And, oh, you guys all have graduate degrees. So I was like, I was literally nobody. Like I went from thinking I was like the fastest, the strongest, the most badass to like awkward. For someone who doesn't know a lot about the training, like for me. Yeah. What is the training? Like how gnarly is it? Are you up at four? What are you doing? Are, is it all working out? Like really describe what it's like. Green Berets are unlike all other special operations because they, they take a small group of men and they drop us behind enemy lines with other people that share our mission, our value. So let's just use Venezuela, for example. Venezuela right now, it's pretty rough, yeah. right? Pretty evil socialist president. People are starving. There's bread lines. Nobody knows when they're going to get their next meal. But there are insurgents that are pro-freedom. Hong Kong, another great example, surrounded by China communism. But Hong Kong is like, it's this beacon of hope for capitalism and democracy. So they're, you know, they're, they're, please just give us a chance to live our lives free. And um, they're being just, those poor people are just being demolished by China communism. Those would be examples of places where Green Berets could be inserted. And we go and we train that force those people, those insurgents that have the shared va value for democracy and for freedom. And, you know, we build them up so they can go by with and through. We advise, we assist, and in some case, we accompany them to go and overthrow a government. And then we help them substantiate that government. Throughout Africa, there's lots of countries that are struggling with radical fanatics and they bring us in as stability. So we go to the government and to the military and we show them how like, well, he here's a way a constitution could be written. Here's what an actual 
democratic election looks like. This is how you secure your polling stations so you, people can have the freedom to go and vote. If you look at Afghanistan at the beginning of the war, the first time that they held an election, you know, it was like bombing here, VBIED here, IED there, somebody driving a cargo truck through a bunch of polling stations. Like how do you, it seems so simple and we've taken it for granted in the United States. Democracy is not an easy thing. And we, and us living in this beautiful republic that we're in, this constitutional republic, we have always really taken it for granted how complicated and nuanced it is for this to run effectively. I want to talk about that for a second, because I think to your point, a lot of people and maybe ourselves included at points in time, take this country for granted and the safeties and the liberties and the freedoms that we have, because we haven't seen some of the things like someone yourself has seen in the world, right? Like you've been to some of the nastiest, ugliest places, most war-torn places in the world, and you've seen that. And I think people here, they get to a place where if they're not aware of those situations, never seen it, they have this sense here where it's like they've never known anything but safety. And it's yeah. partly because people like you and your friends go out there and make the world safe for Americans. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I think like Lauren look, was looking at your page and she's like, oh my God, this guy's like loves America. Like you're like, the one, like you absolutely love America. And I think like, of course, if you've seen what you've seen and been able to live in this country, like you, ha you almost have to, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't hit the, the nail on the head more accurately there. I do love this country and its imperfections. Just like I love people, like people are imperfect. That doesn't mean I don't love them, right? Our country, we, we were founded with a hope that we have not yet realized, a hope where every man is created equal, everybody has the same freedoms. And we have been on this trajectory to meet those goals, those aspirations. And if you look back to 1776, through the Civil War in the 1800s, to like even to the 18, 1960s, we were a mess, right? Like we did not, oh, a woman can't vote. Sorry, you can't vote. Lo siento mucho. You know, you're black, you can't vote either or drink it out of this water fountain or go and get an ice cream here. You know, that was 60 years ago. Have we made improvements? Absolutely. Are we done improving? Absolutely not. But the from the founding documents, it has always had the trajectory for what we could be and we haven't realized it yet, but we're still on the way. And that's why I love this country is because we acknowledge our faults, we address them, and we try to improve on them. You know, while Abraham Lincoln was a revolutionary, he was not perfect, right? He had a ton of failures, but he, and he got a couple of things right and doing that whole civil war thing and of having fought in civil wars, they're horrible, could not have been the more right thing to do at the time. Do we have more things to do? Yes. But man, this country's special. So like, are there examples, and I know it's like, not necessarily you don't want to talk about everything, but are there examples like that you could give to the audience where like some things you've seen, which just help contextualize like how good we have it here? Because listen, Lauren and I catch flack all the time. Say you get too political or, you know, everything going on, yeah. like it's a hot button issue all the time. But like, I'm probably in Lauren too, like one of the most pro-America. Like I love this country. Like it's afforded a lot of opportunities. And I, again, like it's not perfect, but it's constantly strive to try to be. But I always try to point out like there are many worse places. Like we just had a woman on the show that grew up in Romania and com under communist rule and like giving, sharing her experience compared to like our experiences night and day. Yeah. The, the list is- There's a lot going through the, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like endless. I was just in Mortania this year and Mortania has had half a dozen revolutions since you guys have been alive, working in Burkina Faso and Niger, another two places that have had countless revolutions with from radicals. So when I say radicals, it's not any one group or idea. 
right? It's not radical. Could be anyone from a far right guy trying to kill the governor of Michigan. You're a radical, insane person to the far left Antifa that is burning down federal buildings in Portland. You're a radical to the, I love, I have great friends that are Muslims and I love them and I've deployed with them, um, worked with them. I would jump on grenades for them, but there's also radicals that think you're gay. I'm going to have to push you off a building or set you on fire. And those radicals, they exist all over the world, but they're more prevalent in third world countries. And you cannot. So what we try to do is create security and stability in a place so freedom can flourish. If it is not stable and it is not secure, there's no way that commerce can occur. There's no way that voting can occur. There's no way that a president can go and say, here's my ideas. This is how we're going to do healthcare. This is how we're going to do education. And this is how we're going to do taxes. This is how we're going to fix a road. Oh, he just got skinned alive and hung from the bridge. That's when you don't have stability and security. So going in and helping them create stability and security provides them the opportunity to see their dreams for their own country become realized. And been, having been in places where I was, uh, I was driving down, I mean, I hadn't seen a person in like nine hours. I was driving this, this Land Cruiser, this big, huge donkey dick of an antenna satellite <laughs> radio thing, you know, gas tanks on the back, water tanks on the side. I have a 240 FN 762x51 machine gun sitting next to me in the seat, like totally gangster, just driving through the, the desert of Africa. And I see this dude dressed in the most flamboyantly beautiful robes. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? So I pull off to the side and we start chatting him up and he's on his way to his wedding. And I'm like, this is the first for horse I've seen. I'm like, why do you have a horse? He's like, I'm giving the horse as the endowment to the mother, to the father to pay for the wife. I was like, what else do you have on you? He's like, I have one bag of water. So I've been driving for eight or nine hours. He's been riding a horse for probably 14 and he has one bag of water on him. And this is the happiest day of his life. And he's also really rich where he's from because he has a horse. He's like up there, political rich. Polit politicians shouldn't be rich. That was mean. It, it just blew my mind that the joy that was in this man's moment and in his life and really all he had to his name was this horse that was given to him by his father and this bag of water. And I was like, beautiful. I want this country to be secure and stable. So what you envision your life with your life, wife to be can come to fruition. And that, I mean, I could give you a bazillion examples. Wait, I need to tell you about Blue Blocks, the best thing ever. They are so life-changing when it comes to winding down. I actually think that if I was going to list my top three things when it comes to winding down, it would be blue light blocking glasses. So here's the deal. Blue light damages your eyes and it leads to digital eye strain, especially when you're in bed, it's like eight o'clock or in my case, 7.30 p.m. You're winding down, you're in bed, you're scrolling through social media or you're watching Housewives. 
and you're not wearing blue light glasses. And this is horrible because it's not telling your brain it's time to wind down. If you're wearing your glasses, though, it signals to your brain, okay, it's time to get relaxed. It's time to get cozy. It's time to go to bed, which makes your sleep way better. Have any of you noticed this year, especially being at home a lot more and staring at our computer screens, our TV screens, our phone screens more than ever that your eyes are starting to bother you a little bit? I noticed it earlier. The reason they was hurting is because we were staring into these computer screens and TV screens and phone screens all day long. And it can't be, I mean, it's just not good for your eyes. We've had so many experts come and talk about the effect of light. Inner blue blocks. They were created to fix all the problems we're talking about and block out the blue light with evidence-backed high-quality lenses. Out of all of them, I definitely picked the Chesters. They're very nostalgic and charming, and you could wear them out. If you want to look at other frames, don't worry. They have over 20 frames in the latest fashion trends, and they come in prescription, non-prescription, and readers. This is also cool too. Blue blocks can turn almost any pair of your glasses into custom blue blockers. And lastly, you should know that they're always and obviously backed by the latest science and made under optics laboratory conditions in Australia. For each pair purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in need. Get your energy back, sleep better, and block out the unhealthy effects of blue light with blue blocks. Go to blue blocks today and get free shipping worldwide with 15% off with code SKINNY. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com and use code SKINNY for 15% off. All right, back to Tim. No, but I mean, even like something when you like, like flippantly say like, yeah, someone's skinned and hanging from the building. Could you imagine if that happened in America? Like people would, people wouldn't even know what to do. That like, it happens just, it, all the time, all over the world. Yeah, and it, but that's my <laughs> point is like, if you have your perspective, like I think like what we try to do without getting super political is just try to point out like how lucky people are if they get to live in this country and develop a life here. Because it's just, it's there's so many things that were granted here that you just, that, that are just not granted in other places. And like loving America isn't, shouldn't be like a polarizing issue. Like we can all come together and like, you might think there's some faults that we need to address you might have some different ones. I also have some, and we can address all of those together. But more importantly, we can come and talk about them. And that conversation has been lost. I don't know how people forgot how to talk to each other, but if you had a different view from me, now it's like, you're dumb, you're a racist, you're a bigot. I have no interest in talking to you. And a matter of fact, you shouldn't even have a Facebook account, a Twitter account, Instagram account. You should just be off all communication methods. So nobody can hear the insanity that's coming out of your mouth, let alone me and all of my followers. That's insane. Do you think that's social media? Like, why is that all of a sudden? Do you think it's like, what do you think? Do you think it's a mixture of things? I think it's a mixture of things. I think we have created echo chambers in our own life, not just in social media. It's the easiest to do it because you can curate and editorialize your social media feed, right? Like, I like what she says. I don't like what he says. I'm only going to listen to people that agree with my own feelings. So immediately you're able to editorialize and create your own echo chamber of your own ideas. And your phone's listening to you on top of it. So it's only serving you ads that are what you like. I'll tell you a story. My wife is like, hey, there's all these Instagram models out there. She's like, I can't have you on here surfing the web. So she started following about like, I don't know, 100 Chihuahua accounts, little Chihuahua dog accounts. And then to his phone, I said, Chihuahua, Chihuahua, Chihuahua. My phone for months, all it populated was Chihuahuas on my feed. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I didn't didn't know why it was- Success. Thank you. That's aggressive monogamy right there. I did not know what was happening. I'm like, why is my phone only giving me this, but it's like it, to your point, you know, <laughs> if you're just constantly f- building this echo chamber for yourself and only following things you like to see, like that's all you're going to see. And then when you see things that you don't necessarily like to see, it's going to be almost jarring in a way because you're like, what yeah. the hell? Like, what's this? I haven't seen this. 
Well, the same thing happens in life. Yeah. Like while it's really, really easy because you can do it in five minutes on your phone, follow, unfollow, subscribe, unsubscribe. You're curating your own amount of information. You can do it on the TV. You can do it on the radio. You can do it on Sirius. You can do everything where all the information that you get only substantiates or supports your own ideas, which makes them more radical. But in life, people are becoming more socially distanced because they're living in communities that align with their own beliefs, just like you're talking about moving. People do that. So they move to places that align with their beliefs. Then they move to areas specifically. So if you look like Grin, global, regional, immediate, and near, people are curating their lives to be, okay, I want to live in America. Okay. That's global. Regional. Okay. I want to live in freedom loving places. So I got Montana, I got Idaho, you know, Florida's kind of always on the fence, Texas for sure, you know, okay, California's probably out. New York probably out. So immediately they start creating social dynamics that they're reinforcing that. And then to the community and then to their jobs. Like they're going to go into jobs that align with the, their own beliefs and then where they spend their free time. So whether that's going to be church or volunteering at a sport. So just like their Twitter feed, they're they're curating and editorializing the influences that they're getting. More so now than I think we've ever been in history, people are more isolated in their own ideas, which makes a different idea shocking. Why could somebody think that? That's insane. I've never thought about that ever. Of course you haven't because you have never exposed yourself to anything different. You know, like, okay, you've traveled around the world. Tell me about your trip to Paris. Or London, super interested about how that checked the block about how you now understand global ramifications and the nuance of, of governments. The problem is I feel like self-awareness of not stepping outside and, and observing your thoughts to say, I need to be more open-minded. Like you almost have to do the inward work to open yourself up to be non-judgmental because you're right. Everyone is so stuck in their judgment and they can't see anything else but what they can see. Yeah. That, that actually, that's, I think it's really wise and intuitive. Listening, for somebody to be a good listener, they have to first get rid of their ego, right? Because if, you know, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but the, every time that you say something that I disagree with, I'm going to be like, oh, this guy is so stupid. Why would he ever think that? Right? Like, I could never hear what he has to say. And there's not a chance for anything that he has to say to ever reach. There's no seeds that are going to be planted because there's no soil that's fertile in me because I'm just this rancid, disgusted, disgusting field that's already been salted and bleached. So you, ha you first have to like strip away that ego so that you can listen and be a good listener. And to be a good listener, like that's actively listening and trying to understand from that person's perspective what like clearly I have lived an extraordinary life that is dissimilar to most people. So the lens that I have, the glasses that I look at this world through is different than most people. When I get to be with somebody that, thank God, hasn't had to see the things that I've seen, man, I just like, tell me more. What do you think that lens is specifically? Like, I mean, like, are there certain traits or certain qualities of, of life that you look at and you just can't see the same way anymore as other people? Is it like, do you look at the world like a, as, it's, as a darker place? Or does, because you've seen things improve, you look at it as a, as a place for hope? Like what... You know, I'm kind of yeah. where I'm going with this. Yeah. So I view everything in such extreme contrast. You know, I was in Africa for most of the beginning of this year. But when I came home and I smelled my kids, do you know that that smell is like makes my heart explode. Best smell. Best smell. But I hadn't smelled that in months. Coming back and being able to eat food 
that I, I ate brown MREs and went on the local market and and bought goats and like stewed goats, which was like the best meals that we had was buying recently killed goat. And that gives me this lens where I get to look at the world through these extremes. Like I get to appreciate beauty, kindness, sincerity, passion, truth, freedom, because I see the adverse. I see the antithesis of all of those things, which makes me value and love them that much more. Like being able to see my wife and get that kiss, being able to see my son go play lacrosse, watching my daughter walk for the first time. Like, I mean, I know it's special for everybody else. I'm not saying it's more special for me, but I've seen women that had their chest cut off of them so their children would starve to death. Literally seen that. So yeah, maybe I do get to have a little extra special love seeing my kids. Do you like war? Like when you're out there, do you like it? Like, is it something you enjoy or can you not wait to come back? There is nothing like the brotherhood and camaraderie that you have with the people standing to your left to the right. Yeah. I, I know it's it's so cliche and the damn movies, especially the Navy SEAL movies, you know, like they always make it like so like, you know, I'm going to do this for the guy standing next to me. You're like, God, that sucks. But it's so true. Why did you make it so cringeworthy? <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I love these guys. I would do anything for them at any moment. And, you know, it affords me a lens that I love, a, a lens of contrast and of passion. War is the worst of human, of humankind. War is the depravity of man. But in war where bullets are flying and people are screaming. And I watch one of my teammates run to pick up a four-year-old girl that's scared that's going to run across the street. And he risks everything for something that is not mission critical to go save that damn little girl. And he's never going to get an award for it. He's never going to get any accolade. He's never going to get any praise. But I just saw him risk everything for somebody that nobody else cares about. She's probably an orphan too. So like literally nobody cares about, you know, like let alone any America, any real American that has any idea what's going on over there. Watching guys body barricade teammates that have been hurt. So like if you got hurt, you and I run over with our body armor and we cover you with our body armor while the medic is working on you. So if a bullet comes in, it's going to hit us so he can have a chance of saving you. Like I get to see this. So while war is the most disgusting, horrific thing that man can do to man, it also shows the beauty that we have for each other and the love that we have for each other. And it's freaking amazing. Let me ask you this for men and women. Like, I feel like in a way, especially if you're in special forces, there's got to be something in your head that's different than the common person to, in order to be able to go out and do these type of things. Is there, some, is there like a common trait or something you see with the people that you've worked with in the military? They're like, and you could just spot it. Like that person has the thing or like there's something, I don't want to say off, but like there's got to be something a little bit. Uh, like when you talk <laughs> to Jocko, yeah. you told us like when you're on, is there something that you and Jocko just both have that's like this magic? Like there's just some people trait. that just have that thing and maybe some people don't. Like you, you ever see someone like, hey, you don't, like you don't got it. You shouldn't do this. Like and some people are like, hey, So you, you say should. you shouldn't do this. We get to say you can't do this. Yep. So during that long period of training, all of those Yes, I have to learn how to set up a radio and how to use a machine gun and how to write an op order and how to, you know, met TC and all like military planning. But all of those things are just opportunities for us to judge each other 
on our merits. So it's like a hot button topic right now, I guess, but merit-based admissions into schools, for example, or it's really difficult to try to ex explain to normal people that we get to judge each other off of our ability to perform and nothing else matters. Gender doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter. Intelligence, physicality, you can either do it or you can't. So every single course that we go to, there's 13 guys. And of those 13 guys, 12 of them get to move forward and one of them has to take a walk. And we rate each other one through 12. And the guy that scores the worst, cumulatively, on average over all 13 of us, he goes. And it sucks sometimes because sometimes you have 13 studs. Like these are 13 amazing dudes, but one of them's the worst. And we have to look at each other and be like, you don't have it. Hey, 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 let me talk to you about the gut to support your immune system. All the things we just had Tina on, the founder of Just Thrive Probiotic. Okay, probiotics are so preventative. It's all about your gut and your immune system, especially right now. 70 to 80% of your immune system lives in your gut. We learned that on the last podcast. And I don't know, but I feel like this is a theme of 2020. Your gut health is crucial for immunity. So after we had Tina on the podcast, I did a bunch of research with Michael on this probiotic and found that it is a very, very clinically researched probiotic. And these ones are very effective without a bunch of added shit. They're vegan-friendly, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy, sugar, and histamine-free, and they're non-GMO. Yeah, and I highly suggest, even for myself, you know, going back and re-listening to that episode, episode 307 with Tina Anderson, who's the founder and creator of Just Thrive Probiotics. And if you listen to that episode, you'll hear how important it is to take care of your gut, not only for your immune health, but your overall health. She talks about how most of the diseases in the human condition originate from the gut. And here's a wild fact that she told me, 80 to 90% of Americans suffer from some gut issue. So if you have gas, bloating, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, acid reflux, look into healing your gut. I'm telling you, probiotics are where it's at, especially this year. And make sure with whatever probiotics you take that you do your research because there's a lot of them that promise all these different things and they don't deliver. Just Thrive Probiotic is very different because they have these strains that have been third-party clinically tested and proven to arrive 100% alive in your gut. That's the word that you want to hear, guys, alive safe for anyone, any age. Kids can take it. Pregnant moms can even take it. If you're looking to give your body the important immune support, it needs to feel your absolute best. Get your gut in order with a Just Thrive probiotic. To get 15% off your order today, check out justthrive.com skinny and use promo code skinny at checkout. You're going to get this and you're going to be in love. Listen, this is a little different. Like you guys aren't going out and playing soccer. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you, like I, I can understand that when it comes to the, to these circumstances. Like I wouldn't, you know, I don't think anyone would say, "Hey, I want to go into the line of active duty into a war zone and not know that the person next to me is absolutely capable of covering my yeah. back." Right? You, you asked, it, "Is there a single thing?" I don't know if there's a single thing, but discipline and an in inability to quit are absolutes. So. I promise you could have walked into that. When I went to selection, there's 400 of us and I think 80, 80 guys got selected. And of the 80 guys that got selected, you could have walked up and put a gun to their head and said, I'm going to shoot you right now if you don't quit. And you are about to deal with a 
honey badger that just snorted a kilo of cocaine from Medellin because that dude is going to take that gun from you and he's going to beat you to death. Like, there's nothing you could have done to make any of those guys quit. But they had gotten that far because of discipline. And then from there on, you just can't get them to stop. There's nothing you could do to make them stop. So like, what do you think that trade is? Like, what do you think it is? It's just like... Discipline? Like what the, no, I know that, but like, Sounds like... That's the thing. But like, what do you think it is? Is it something you're born with? Is it something that like yeah, happens? And like, what? how does it manifest itself? You build it like a muscle? The no quit? Yeah, you can build like, that. Like, what were you like as a kid? <laughs> I was insane. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like a, a second born... I mean, before I could walk. So I started walking like seven months. But when I was five months, my brother would try to walk by and I would lay there as if I was dead. And when he would get in arm reach, I would grab onto his leg and I would start biting him. And they used to joke, they'd like put that one in the corner at preschool and like put extra padding around him. So Laura LaCarrie, I'm in kindergarten. Oh, Laura, she's beautiful, but she got a haircut. Kyle told Laura that she looked like a boy with her new haircut. So I followed him up onto the top of the playscape and I hit him in the face and I pushed him off and I broke his arm. So that was the fourth time that I got a spanking at North County Christian school that year. In kindergarten. So you don't like bullies? No, I hate them. I do not like them. And uh, so, but a lot of the guys, you, you see a lot of wrestlers, you see a lot of water polo players. And you're like, what is the commonality here? Is they've struggled. They have seen pain. They have seen failure. And they have learned to quit less. I joke nowadays that I try to find my quitter. And my quitter, I have named to a very specific ex of mine. And I want to see that quitter come up every single day so I can smash that thing in the face and bury it down deeper. And then I have to go and do an even cr crazier thing, whether it be a workout or a stress test or climbing into a fjord in Norway to dive down 200 feet to try and find a German U-boat. Whatever that thing is, it's like, I'm going to find her and I'm going to bury it. I want to talk about that for a second. I think the first time Lauren and I were exposed to you was we were listening to Tim Ferriss. I think so. This was a, maybe a little while ago, a couple of years ago, that you did a show, and you had that concept. He's in Austin. Of, yeah, yeah. Ah. Like you, Tim. You were talking about the concept of like hurry up and fail. Maybe we segue a little bit and talk about training and how you look for and how you look for that point in order to you know to get started and actually like break past. And I think there's so many people that are looking to get you know they say like we, what's motivation, but I think you got to go deeper than that if you're going to like, in order to continue to push yourself. And I want you to talk about a little bit. Motivation will fail you. The, you know, you go listen to a motivator, motivating speaker and you're like, you feel so good for two hours. Because people message me and they, Hey, can you give me a book on motivation? I'm like, that's like the thing to maybe get you fired up, but it's yeah. not going to be the thing that takes you there. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I say on fitness, I'll just use fitness because it's the easiest example where somebody's like, oh, man, I want to, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to, you know, be more attractive to my partner. And can you give me some motivation to go work out? And I said, no, what you can do is give me your diet for the next seven days and then journal your workout for the next month. And if you do that, I'll give you some motivation. But what did I just force them to do? Take action. I forced them to be disciplined. I forced them to have a regiment. I forced them to do a very specific thing. Nutrition and, and exercise are two very necessary elements to become more physically fit. But I forced them to be disciplined about them, to, to be disciplined about that. So discipline, while motivation will fail, fail you, discipline never will. Back to Jocko. Jocko's thing, dis discipline equals freedom. That's so simple, but it's so true, where the only way to, 
I say the only way that you can get what you want, everything that you want is on the far side of hard work. And hard work is discipline. It is being up early. It is working late. It's finding the time. It's strategically organizing your time so that you can be efficient. Discipline is what separates success from failure. And discipline builds confidence. Because discipline builds everything. Yep. Because people are like, how, like we talk about on this, people like want to talk about confidence a lot. I know, and it's Lauren and I cannot take credit for this. Dis, confidence comes from the promises that you keep to yourself. I think who said that to us? Ed Milet or Tony Robbins? Somebody said Ed that. Milet, but it's but it's true. And with discipline, like when you're keeping those promises and staying on top of them, getting up early and showing up to that workout and eating healthy, like you start to be like, oh, I can do this. And it gives you that self-assurance like, oh, I actually, like you become confident. Yeah. What are some rituals that Tim Kennedy does? Like, what time are you waking up? Are you doing an ice bath every morning? What are the little things that you do to make you really effective? I think there's like four components for the total human condition to be successful, right? You have to, your body has to work right. So that's sleep, that's exercise, and that's nutrition. Like th that's a necessary component. And then like the interpersonal development of, of having meaningful relationships that give you the, the capacity to do great things. Like if you don't have a developed interpersonal skill and you don't have a body that will work for you, you can't even get on to the next two things, which is like doing rad shit, right? I want, I want to like go make the world better. I want to save lives. My company motto is to preserve and protect human life. That's the, that is the mission statement of my company, right? And then soul, like you got to develop those. So that's the kind of four meaningful compartments for me. So some of the things that I do when I come home, I see some horrible things in a day and I do horrible things to myself willingly, like gross chunky hands and scarred. And I think I have a chunk here from grappling today. But the moment I walk through my door, I walk straight to my wife and I spend the first 15 minutes with her. If you're not taking notes on this, I'm get divorcing the, I get the computer. you. Get, get your composition notebook out. So most men, and my father was this way, he would get home and we were not allowed to talk to him for 30 minutes. He'd come home, he'd take his stuff off. He's a narcotics officer. He's brilliant. He's one of the most kind, generous, selfless servants I've ever met in my life. I wish I could be as incredible as him. But here's an example of how he failed as a person where he'd come home. You couldn't ask him any questions. You couldn't talk to him. He'd go take his gun off. You know, he'd take his, his vest off. Maybe he was buying dope. So he's wearing like a wife beater that had like fake puke and beer on it. So he'd do whatever he needed to do to like kind of settle in, right? And then he'd come. And I remember like, you had to gauge time. He had to make the first move, right? Like he had to come in and be like, hey son, so uh, how was practice today? Now I know I could talk to him, right? But for the for 30 minutes, like I just had to hold your breath, you know, hope that like he doesn't freak out about something or that I didn't break something or, you know, and like it snap and ruin the night. And what a horrible precedent to set for your family. The first thing you have to do is come in and show them who's the most important thing. And for me, that's my wife and kids. So when I walk through that door, I go straight to my wife. So all of my kids know that she's the most important thing in the room. And then as soon as I get kind of the first sigh from her that I know she's good, I get to move on. The one-year-old, she gets scooped up by an ankle. I shake her a little bit, you know, and like, ah, bite her chest. And when I hear that first scream, it's like, ah, like, I know I got her. Then I go find the, the long-haired five-year-old boy. And he's usually out there tormenting one of the dogs or he's climbing on top of the pirate ship. Or maybe there's like some blood dripping out of his head. So I go and I try to get the blood back in his body. And then I clean him a little bit. And then I go and do a rad thing with him. 
Maybe that's Beyblades. Do you know what a Beyblade is? Oh man, they're pretty rad. What are they? Like rollerblades? It's, it's like a spinner. It's like a spin top. Oh no, I know what those are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know those. what those were. We, our friend has a son, Wolfie, and he loves those things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other two, are they living at your house? They live anywhere they want. So one of them's in college and the other one's in senior high school. So yes, sometimes. I want to know how you keep it hot and spicy when your wife and you are separated. Are you writing her love letters? Can you guys FaceTime? Like, what are the tools that you used? All of, I use them all. So she's going to get flowers delivered to the house on Friday. Like, she doesn't know this. So, like, just ordering flowers randomly for no reason, for no purpose, for nothing. And doing the note of, I'm sitting here, thought of you, will love you forever. Love what she loves. Finding the things that are meaningful and that matter to her and spending time and learning about those things. Like, do do you think I want to know anything about Pinterest <laughs> or decorating the house? Would those be things that I would be interested at all? No, but I'm going to love them. You got a Pinterest board? Do I got to go to the I do. <laughs> I do. And they're all the things that my wife likes. And no, that is not emasculating. Sure. She loves our kids more than anything on the planet. I would be remiss if I did not love them more or try to love them more than her. So she loves that little girl, her new baby, you know, like with everything. And like the moment she's done nursing, I'm like, give me that baby. The little girl is mine, you know, <laughs> but that same lake that you just had, she has too. And she's like, oh, okay, you can have her, you know, but I love what she loves. That's a hard, humbling thing sometimes because I'm not good at the things that she loves. I want to do the things that I'm good at, right? I want to like go out and be manly and like lift weights and throw stones and like shoot guns and bring home the meat, you know, and like drive my truck. Like, does that do anything for her? No. No, but I think like that's, I mean, that's a great explanation of what makes a, a successful marriage and relationship work, right? Is like you kind of become, you have to kind of like mesh into each other. And I think the people that go into a relationship, they're like, I'm not changing a thing. I'm being exactly who I am. I'm like, yeah, good luck, buddy. Yeah. That ain't going to work. Good luck with that. What time are you waking up? I need to know the time. That varies. Six. Okay. So not like, you're not like up at three or something. No, no. I do get a lot done before my kids get up. So I'm working on my private helicopter pilot's license and studying the Far aim, which is like the flight manual, okay. is really difficult when you have a five-year-old and one-year-old. I go to bed late and, you know, with a 6 a.m. workout or wake up, spend the morning until they wake up, make them a fresh homemade breakfast every single morning, and then take them to school. And once I take them to school, I get my workout in. And then from the time I get, I finish my workout until they get done with school, I am just hammering work just trying to be as efficient and effective as I can. Just the moment they get out of school, those little bastards are mine. Yeah. You know? So if you were to give advice, we have a lot of female listeners and maybe you're going to say there's nothing we can do, but is there anything we can do for self-defense? Like, should we be carrying something on us? What do you tell your wife? We had Joe Schilling on the show. Who I, I, think, I, think, I don't know if you know him or not. Yeah, we, I know Joe. Yeah, we just had him on the other day. And, we were t- and she brought up this question to him. And it was more from like the fight perspective. And his answer was like, there's some things you can do. But there, and like if, if a Tim Kennedy's he going after... slim pickings. He's like, get a gun. Because he's like, if it, you know, if someone like you or me is going after my wife, like maybe she, like you're in some trouble there. And so, But I think like, I think about this now, like having a, a daughter, a young daughter. Yeah, and what a do wife, you tell like, your older daughter? And with the world, like, you know, there's a lot of crazy shit going on right now. I'm like, you know, I want to make sure, like, I want to be, like, if I'm not around and they're on their own, like, what, and there's a lot, and same with sisters, anybody, like, you want to know that they can handle themselves. Like, is there, is there any advice you give or is there courses or things you should tell women to do? Or even uh, men, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm kind of a badass. 
Yeah. Like a black belt in a few different martial arts, professional fighter for 17 years, a master sergeant, special forces. Like I still carry a gun like right here. Like no matter how badass you are, if we hear screaming downstairs, sure as shit, I'm running down there to fix it. And I would be very hampered and handicapped if I didn't have the tools to be able to preserve and protect. I'm an ogre. I'm straight up. I'm not going to walk out of this building and worry about somebody coming around from a dark corner from an alley and grabbing me, right? Like that sounds like an amazing afternoon for me. Like, <laughs> this dude's like fun. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for real. I was like, this dude's going to try to rape me. It's going to be awesome. You know? <laughs> or like I'm at the Pulse Dance nightclub, you know, like a bunch of gay people I'm just having fun with. And somebody comes in, they're like, oh, I hate you guys. I'm going to kill everybody. Be like, this is so cool. <laughs> this is what I've been waiting. Yeah, for. this is this is ideal for me. It's about to be a rough night for you. But you and I have different skills, right? Like we're different people. When I say assets and liabilities, while well, I'm going to say some things that are not assets for you, like you don't have hairy arms and you don't weigh 220 pounds and you can't take somebody's face off. Like I can do that pretty effectively. You have assets that I don't have. Like you can disarm people with sometimes a bat of an eye, just the way that you're walking can project a, I'm not in the mood. And e even predators, they might look at you and be like, I'm just going to wait for a different one. She told me a story oh, that she's I like, you know, when you, she's like, when you get pulled over by a police officer, this is what you say and they'll let you go. And I go, no, they'll let you go. No, yeah, but I told the other that. day, I said, there is an energy that you have, I think that's an open energy or don't fuck with me energy as a woman. I could be wrong, but I know what you're saying. There's like a, well, I, know, a look. I, I think that's for I, I'm men. Gonna, I, I'm gonna wait for the next one. You I said. think that's men and women, and I think like predators, they do they prey, right? And they wait for they're like, looking they're, for easy. They're not looking yeah. for you, right? Like they're they know they're gonna wait. So lion's sitting there, right? Nasara. It looks over and it sees this gigantic water buffalo that's jacked shoulders, you know, and that water buffalo is sitting there with his big ass horns the size of like our waist, just one horn. <laughs> and that lion's like, nope. Oh, look at that Impala with a hitch in its giddy up. That guy's got a flat tire. That's going to be a way easier target to go after. One of the tools that I think every single woman needs to understand and spend as much available time as they have on it is situational awareness. If you can, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you can prevent putting yourself into a position that where you can be victimized, you know, like just real easy examples. You're like, you're going to the store. I'm going to park towards the front underneath the light. I'm going to put my cell phone in my bag. I'm going to make sure that my favorites are number one, the police, number two, my husband or my partner, number three, my brother, number four, my mom. So like I can easily, very efficiently call somebody for help that will know where I am using things like life 360, where I know where you are when you're going to those places, being clear and transparent about your schedule. So those things can, I can plan ahead planning. If you're going to go somewhere, I get away with a lot, right? Like I'm a gross troll. So I can walk into a dark alley and three thugs are going to be like, Fuck no, <laughs> not that guy. We're going to die. I will say, though, like, I can see how people are intimidated by you, but you're also very warm. Hope so. So you have both the sides. Yeah. Well, I think that comes with knowing you're a capable individual, right? And daughters. Yeah. yeah. When people come to you and they're, they say they're intimidated or you can feel they're intimidated, is there something that you say or do to make them more comfortable? 
yeah, really try to find common ground. Yeah. You know, it's like, you, you guys have kids. Tell me about it. Oh, he's nine month old. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, like, where is she at right now? Like, why isn't she here? Like, I mean, the, the, well, I was sincere. I was not disingenuous. Like, I, I wish she was climbing, like pulling this camera over. Like, that'd be awesome. It, it's also common ground where at least we found something that we can build from. Yeah. People get freaked out when they're, you know, how many times has this guy been to war? How many times has this guy, you know, hurt people? Like a lot of times. It should also make them feel comfortable though, because you like, Listen, because they feel safe. I feel, this is probably the most comfortable podcast. I'm not worried about anyone. Coming in. I'm not worried about anyone kicking in the door. I'm like, wrong yeah. door. Are there micro things women can do? Like, should we be carrying pepper spray, or is that a waste of fucking time? Should like, should we be doing little tiny like tools? Like, yeah, first? absolutely. Yeah, like, I mean, little things like like I talked about like you know like I think everyone's in their phone these days, right? Like yeah, they're, they're staring at the phone. And I we talk with LA's been so crazy this year. And I like one thing I say, and I'm not a pro at this, but I'm like, hey, like get your head out of the phone because yeah. you just don't know if someone's gonna run up behind you, or hit you, like. You know, like it, you just never know. And I yeah. think like th this phone is a liability in a lot of ways. It's a tool, but it's also a liability for, for situational awareness, in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, you're spot on. And if this is such, if you're losing situational awareness here, just because I put this away, I still need to be able to look and understand what I see. Right. And, and that's a tool that you can develop and that you can teach and that you can learn. So I have a company, Sheepdog Response, and we have a course dedicated to situational awareness. And that is just teaching people how like we have a bandwidth, like think of Wi-Fi. I only have so much amount of bandwidth that I can spend to look out. And if I'm like Jason Bourne, I'm like, okay, at this altitude, I can run a four minute mile and I can hold that pace, you know, for 25 minutes. And that guy over there, he's pretty good with his weight. The best place I can find a gun is in that truck over there. I've memorized every single license plate. Okay. Your bandwidth is like now zero, right? So I can't waste my bandwidth on things I don't need to think about. So we teach people how to look out. Like that group of purple haired ladies that are playing cards at the table, having tea, they're not a threat. I'm going to spend zero amount of my brain worry about them. Those little teenage kids, like that 13 year old freshman and her little junior high friend that are flirting. I have zero worries about them. Take them off the plate. Now I'm really just focusing at people between 15 years old and 40 years old, probably males. So that just erased like 70%, 80% of people that I would be spending bandwidth on. So that is all taught and learned skills about how to look out into the world using things like GRIN, METTC, COCA. These are all acronyms in the military. So I went to a 40-hour special, it was SOFSAT, Special Operations Situational Awareness Technique. 40 hours of just how to look. Just how to look. And what are some of the, like, what are some things that are just like the average person wouldn't think about looking at? Um, the more that you, uh, this sounds weird. The more you look, the more you see, and the more you see, the more you understand. If you're walking at Target and you see the, the dad reach down to grab the cranberry, cause he's going to duplicate whatever that dude is <laughs> drinking on the skateboard. And as he reaches for it, the little girl like goes like this, like it's an asshole, right? He beats his kid. The guy that has red face and acne on his back. His wife keeps doing this, this kind of like quick checks to make sure that her husband's okay. Got a dude's on steroids and abuses his wife. That young 13 year old girl that keeps checking the end of the aisle. She's about to steal some makeup, right? The guy that keeps walking down to where the condoms are and trying to figure out how to open that thing. Got it. He's trying to like, but until you put that phone away and you learn how to look, you're never going to see any of those things. And those things are around us all the time, 24 seven. And those aren't even predators. Those are just regular people living their lives. 
Now you're walking out of the store and there's that guy that's kind of sitting by the busted light and he's looking at you and like you as a man, you lock eyes with him for a second and his eyes don't break away. That's a predator. And he has been surveying people and he knows how to look and he knows how to identify weakness. Like, do you think a hyena is pretty good at picking out the weakest link? For sure. They've been doing it their whole entire life. So you have to teach yourself how to look the way that they look, how to see what they see. Sometimes it's, it's walking a mile in their shoes, but it can be trained. So could we come to this sheepdog class? Can you tell us more about this? Because I want to hear exactly how this works. So our level one, which is like the basic entry level, we focus on three things. We focus on, we have four A's. The first one's assessment. Assessment is first of ourselves, awareness of ourself, and then awareness of our surroundings. And then after that, we go to assessment. So I'm aware of myself, like how much sleep did I have? How much have I been training? What are my tools? Do I have a tourniquet? Do I have a gun? Am I aware where I'm supposed to be parked? Do I have a backup key? Is my cell phone charged? Do I have a flashlight in the car? Like all of the things, that's just my state of being, awareness. Then it's awareness of everything around me. And the next thing is threat assessment is where I see something that's off. So if I'm in front of a mosque and there's a guy in white prayer robes and he's speaking Arabic, does that sound off? No, that sounds super normal, right? Like that's a dude at church. Go bro. I'm happy that you're at church worshiping in any way that you want. That same guy in front of Disneyland, sweaty with a backpack. That caused concern? Understanding where things belong, right? Finding outliers, seeing like a white guy with a Confederate flag roll up onto a black Baptist church in Louisiana. It's cause for concern. Guy shouldn't be there, right? So just being able to see the outliers, things that don't belong. So awareness, assessment, action. We spend a third of our time on action. That's that's kind of fighting how to protect yourself, how to retain a weapon, how to take away a weapon. And um, then last is analysis is what I did the right thing. What do I need to do next to stay safe? So in a day, the first day you come in, let's say you come in on a Friday evening, you have about a five hour block of instruction on how to look in the world. Um, we have these acronyms that we're taught in special operations, COCA, METTC, GRIN. And so we try to shape your brain about how to look out in the world. Then from there, we check all your gear, make sure you're ready to train the next day, kind of give you a safety brief. And then the next day you show up on mats and you fight. It's fun. You're surrounded by, I got a Delta Force guy over here. I got a Navy SEAL over here. I got a MARSOC guy here. I got an Army Ranger over there. I got four different professional fighters. All of these guys have black belts. And these are your instructors that are just there to hold your hand. Can you be like me? We, we, have, 80, we have 80-year-old women okay, so with like two-time hip replacements. Like at any level, none of these things are like, these are not ideas or concepts that are owned by, by us, like freedom and safety. Like nobody should ever live in fear. Like a life lived in fear, who wants to live that life? Like walking around, like worrying about, no. Like once you buy into these ideas, once you buy into the process, it you don't live in fear. You don't, you're not like this prepper. Like somebody can come get, get me when I walk out of this door. No, like all of that goes away and you can just live. You can be free and you can be in the moment and I can be with my kids. I'm not sitting there with my beautiful teenage daughters being like, man, when we walk out to the car, man, I hope somebody doesn't jump us. Like I've already done all the things to make sure that I can be in the moment with my girls. You're going to be like, how was your day? Ah, imagine that. Your boyfriend's a douchebag. I told you. Why do you just listen to dad? What you know? is it like for your daughters to bring a boy home? I want to hear this. I can't wait to hear this. 
Fortunately, <laughs> my resume kind of speaks for itself. So I don't have, I mean, I remember going over and like the first dates and the guy's like, the dad was sharpening his Bowie knife. And I was like, I got it. You know? <laughs> but like you are sharpening your fucking knife. Like for real. I don't have to. Cause like they know. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, there's like, there's two camps though, when it comes to people, but maybe I'll make the point here. I think there's the people that live in fear. And I think a lot of that fear would be alleviated if they did some training and, and started to feel a little bit more capable and unaware. But then I think there's the other people. And I touched on this earlier in the episode of people that just don't realize they should be fearful. That's me. I'm, I'm right. Like fear. because we've gotten to a place in this country where, where we're so safe that people don't realize that there's still things to be very scared about, like, you know, and fearful of. And I think we've, you know, we don't worry about a lot of the things that many people in the world worry about. And so you just think it doesn't exist, but it very much does. And if you, if you go through life, not being aware that bad things can happen and then they do, it's almost worse. Cause you're like, holy shit. Like you're caught so off yeah. guard. Yeah. Sadly about, I'd say a quarter of the women that come to our courses are formal, I'll, I'll say survivors from sexual assault. First, like I love them. They're so brave and they're so courageous because they had their eyes opened in the most horrific way. Right, like they they were living in ignorance and in bliss, and then something happened, and now they can't. You know, gorephobics. The first time we had a, a young lady, the first time that she had stepped outside of her own door was to come to our course in two years. Two years she stayed in her own apartment, ordering food, working from home, and two years she may, shows up at work to our course. Two years later, and we're we're doing some self-defense stuff. And I grab her by the hair and she just starts shaking, quivering, and obviously totally triggered to the moment of what happened two years ago. And, you know, like I just grab her, I pull her in and I say, listen, everything's different moving forward. Like now you get, now you got to vote. You know, what do you have on you right now? She's like, I have a ghost strike knife. I'm like, find a space in my ribs and put it in there. You know, she, like it's just boom. And it was freedom. She was free from what had been two years of like pain, suffering. And now she's just like, she's beautiful. Like, I, I wish I could go specifically, but in the past two years, she, the metamorphosis into like this loving, caring, outgoing person is this transformation is incredible. You're right though. You know, you have people that, I mean, look what happened this year. People like the, the world, we go into a pandemic and people start going crazy and running all over the place and grabbing toilet paper because they don't know. They're, they didn't realize something like this could happen and they didn't realize there was something actually that they could be scared of. Yeah. So. And we just, and they, nobody knew what to do. And I'd I, love to know your thoughts. Nobody knew what to do. <laughs> so they ran and they're thought. grabbing everything off the shelves and toilet paper. And like, you become the laughing stock of the world. It's like, that's the thing you go for when the world starts hitting the fan. So nothing changed about my life. <laughs> like, you know, I, was, I, I was informed that it's a global pandemic and I have chickens. I, I, you know, I live in the country. I have well, I have solar, my kids and family are like, there's nothing changed. i did my work. Literally nothing has changed in my life in seven months. One of my neighbors, she has, she takes care of her mom who has going through chemo. So I do their shopping for them. And when I go drop off her, their food, I, I Lysol and wipe down everything that I'm bringing in. I'm wearing a mask. I bring it in like, absolutely. I will 100% 
make sure that you're good and safe. My breastfed kids, they're like my one-year-old that looks like a bowling ball with legs. You know, my five-year-old that is a savage with long hair. That's ha- like, he looks like he's in the movie The Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> I, I'm dead serious. You know, like he is like always sweaty and matty hair in his hands. You put a lacrosse stick in that kid's hand, like run for your life because you're about to get murdered or there's going to be an object flying about 200 feet per second. They're fine. Most importantly, they've never lived a single day in fear. Like they're just living their lives. Nothing's changed, nor should it. Be strong. Be better. I mean, it, it's it's it's. I, I, the reason I wanted to make the point is I just think it's like people just. It's it's about being aware more than anything, and I think and this prepared. Yes, and but if you don't realize that you should be aware and that you need to be prepared, then like then evil can happen to you, and there's and you're going to be caught off guard. I I wanted to talk about one more thing because I, I was listening to you the other day when I was doing some research, and you talked about something that I, that we've never talked about on the show, and we talked about a little earlier about how people cannot have a conversation anymore. Yeah. This is going to be a weird tangent. Insurgency, counterinsurgency. You were talking about how other nations that may wish us ill, all they really need to do is point out that maybe our system doesn't work for to destabilize it. And you were talking about how it's not that hard to do. So perfect example, if if someone's riding and they burn down an area that's destabilizing that area, but it's usually an area like economically, that certain area is devastated for generation, generation. Like it's not coming back and it's it's usually the poorest areas, right? And like, so they're hurting the poorest people or, you know, you get to this place where people can't have conversations in this country anymore. And people start to question like, Hey, does America really work? Does democracy really work? And it's like, you start to destabilize a country doing very simple things. And I I wanted you to talk about a little because we've never talked about on this show and I haven't heard anyone explain it as eloquently as you did. Eloquently. But it was, I mean, it was like, it was, I was like, Oh shit. Like that makes a lot of sense. So all of our enemies, and by enemies, I mean anybody that doesn't value freedom and ability to live your life the way that you want to live it. Russia, China, Iran, they don't like the way that our country operates. Um, Because it's completely opposed to the way they operate. Right. So it takes very little, little effort to create an insurgency. If you're going to have a military force, try and overthrow a country. It takes lots of money. It takes lots of power. It takes lots of missiles and takes lots of aircraft. So if you're China or you're Russia and you want to destabilize America, the best thing to do is to be really effective with your dollars in a return of investment. If I'm going to go to a place that is already having issues from Baltimore to Seattle to Portland, and the peaceful protests are occurring, And I can go and I can pay a couple of people to turn that peaceful protest into a riot. Like all it takes is a little bit of effort, a little push for what is a peaceful protest to turn into something disastrous. And then once that energy and that violence gains momentum, it's really hard to stop. And I have, we have done this all over the world to our enemies and they are no doubt doing it here. During the 2016 election, Joe Rogan had, I don't remember this young lady's this name, but she specialized in bot farms. Like how many fake and troll accounts are there out there in comparison to real ones when it comes to hot topic issues from LGBTQ to BLM to Donald Trump to Joe Biden, regardless of the issue, what you found was the most extreme outliers in every single one of these categories were 
mostly foreign agents with large bot farms and troll accounts. So if I wanted to mess with Antifa or BLM, right? Do I go on there as white guy, Louisiana 555? No, like nobody's going to listen to me, right? What I'm going to do is I'm going to be like, go black power, you know, at BLM for life. There's my handle. Now I'm going to go in there. I'm going to find a bunch of people that resonate with the group that I want to eventually undermine and attack. And then I go and I like all of them and nobody likes affirmation like extremists. So getting that reaffirmation from a new person like, oh yeah, amen. I love that you're saying that retweet. Fantastic. That's such a great point. Screw Donald Trump. He's absolutely a racist. Now I just keep building up this community, getting more followers, liking more things, becoming more legitimate so that at my leisure, I can just start planting seeds of distrust and attacking the foundation that they view, you know, for the flip, let's say like the American Patriot prayer group, I'm going to create like a Donald Trump account. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to like all of their pages, you know, like proud boys, sons of Liberty and every group I possibly can. I'm going to go in there and be like, yeah, this is awesome. But then slowly I'm be like one of the founders and writers that scribed most of the constitution owned slaves. Do you think that's right? I'm struggling this with myself. I'm just asking, what do you guys think? And boom, a seed of dis- of discontent is planted. And I just keep doing it. And they play a long game. Russia has been doing this for decades, decades. They have been specifically doing this. And at a time, especially in an election year where we have candidates that are so polarizing, it just makes it so easy for them to come in and divide and divide us. That's all they have to do is, is push us further to our extremist sides. So we just can't talk and we can't talk. Well, this is the point I wanted you to make because like, you know, this has been a very contentious year and I think people are more divided right now than, I mean, there's other times. By design. Yeah. And it, but yes. And I think people don't even realize, like they don't even realize what's happening. Right. And like they're, if you are an enemy of this country, what better way to start taking down this country? Divide the country, make the people hate each other, make them stop talking to each other, make them start questioning every everything that each make other like. Tear down everything that the country stands for. Yes. Do you think the pendulum will swing though the other way? Because sometimes when everything goes so extreme, it comes back around. Like, do you think people are going to start to realize that this is what's going on? Yeah, but unfortunately, the pendulum has to swing really far. We're not to like the holy crap. This is really bad. Most people are still like living their lives comfortably because we're in this con- this amazing country where you know you can work from home and you can you know still send your kids to some schools and i think the pendulum has to swing a little bit further before people realize how far off center we are for it to swing back i believe in america i believe in americans and i know that when we really get pushed nothing unites us like suffering you know where we're like you killed 12 million. What? You gassed Jews in Auschwitz? Fuck you, Hitler. You and all of your friends, you're all going to die. And off we went. You know, we know what right looks like. Sometimes that pendulum has to swing far enough away for us to remember what right looks like. But 9 11, on 9 12, we are a united country. And we went and have been at war for 20 years. And never again has that happened since then, where they have tried. 
in the thousands of times that they have tried to do that again, we brought the fight to their doorstep. I mean, if you notice, like, no, you don't hear a lot about terrorism anymore. I mean, like, if, if you were to predict where this country's going in the next two years, with everything you've seen, what would you say? I predict that Americans are going to reach a breaking point. Nobody wants to live in isolation. The only thing that comes out of isolation is a unibomber. Like, why would you want to live in isolation? If you're in isolation, if you're in an echo chamber of your own ideas, at some point, you have to like realize you're just hearing your own ideas echoed endlessly in this chamber that you've created, that you've curated, that you've editorialized for yourself. And yeah, it's like, who, who wants to live in that? That sounds like insanity to me. That sounds like torture. If you're like, Tim, design purgatory. Like, okay, give me all of my own thoughts and beliefs and stick me in a room where the only thing I hear is my own thoughts and beliefs repeated to me. That sounds like torture to me. And people are doing that to themselves. So my prediction is we're going to wake up and we're going to remember what freedom looks like, what it tastes like, what it feels like. We're going to look at people that, you know, governors that told you can't buy seeds at the grocery store. That's not an essential item or a governor that's saying you can't run your business. I don't care if your kids starve to death. I don't care if you lose your house. I'm telling you for the good of people, you can't go back to work. We're going to remember what it means to be an American. An American has back, has strength, has courage. We'll fight for what's right. Do you think there's an event that gets people talking again? Like, what do you think? What do you think that is? Like, I think a lot of people are like, wait till after the election. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to make as much of a difference as people think. Yeah. And either in it's not going to be like one day this happens because there's going to be like as, as divided as we are, there's going to still be a side that's pissed regardless of Trump, yeah. Biden. There's still people are still yeah. pissed. What is that event to get people back together talking again? I wish I could. You think I wish it's like a mad people think there's like a magic wand after election yeah. day and we're like back Joe to Biden's normal. president. Awesome. Where everybody's going to talk to each other? Neat. I want to see that magic trick. You know Donald Trump's presence they automatically stopped rioting in Portland? Of course not, right? I think you're totally right. The event that the catalyst that I see is not one I hope to see in the United States. I, I don't think, you know, the Titanic, all he had to do was start turning the boat just a little bit and they would have missed the iceberg. And over time, that big ass ship would slowly just have turned away and all the prosperity and all the commerce and all the immigrants and all of the breaking down of regional divides, that boat would have changed the world, but it didn't. It hit, a, it hit an iceberg and a bunch of people died. But all it took, all it would have taken was somebody just to turn the helm just a little bit. I think we, it's not too late. I think we can still unite. I still think that we can talk. I still think that anybody that disagrees with me can come and have a cup of coffee with me and talk to me. And I want to hear why I want to listen to their perspective and try and understand it and, and then go fix what that problem is. I think that's so nice to have a cup of coffee with someone and just talk about things. <laughs> the anger of this year and the energy, just that's what it needs. A cup of coffee. Yeah. You're amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. Where can everyone find you to stalk you? Your Instagram is fucking incredible. <laughs> Pimp yourself out. Tim Kennedy MMA for Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I think I'm just Tim Kennedy on YouTube. I have a pretty cool team that like put stuff up all the time. And occasionally I'll put stuff up. And if you see me sweaty or bloody or overseas, 
you just know that everything I'm going to be saying is just straight from the horse's mouth. You know. And what about Sheepdog? If someone wants to participate. Sheepdog Response is the company name. That's our website. Um, that's our, during the pandemic, when that kicked off, I think we posted 60 workouts that you can do from home with just body weight. You know, like, oh, you can't go to the gym. Gyms are cool. No worries. You can still train. <laughs> Don't, the worst thing you could possibly do is become a sedentary fat person and watch your immunity plummet during a global pandemic. So go exercise and be a healthy person. Sheepdog Response is a resource for everyone. We do not own the right to freedom and protection and security. So like we try to give it out to everybody and have them buy in to these ideas of living free. Love it. And is there an Insta handle for Sheepdog or is it you? Uh, it's Sheepdog Response. Perfect. Yep, at Sheepdog Sheepdog Response. Response. Michael and I definitely want to come do that. I might kick Michael's ass. I might learn how to kick Michael's ass. Thank you, Tim, for coming on. Thank you, my pleasure. Wait, don't go. Tell us your favorite part of this episode with Tim on my latest Instagram at The Skinny Confidential, and we will drop into your inbox and send a bunch of you the new Skinny Confidential pop socket. It is so cute. It's on my phone right now. A lot of you have messaged me about it on Instagram. So easy to win. And make sure you've rated and reviewed the podcast on iTunes. It takes five seconds. And with that, we'll see you next time.